And welcome to the Navy Vegas podcast. Week number, I don't even know what. I think it's like 11 or 12 episodes by now. The season is unfortunately almost over. Sad words. Sad words. But we got one more full week of MIAC action, and man, is it a week. Uh, Plus, we got week 10 to talk about. We have playoff scenarios, maybe, to talk about uh, news in the regional rankings that I think is at least a little bit interesting. Um, what else? I think that's just about it. But, of course, within those things, there's a lot. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, there's a lot to be unpacked. There's a lot to be unpacked. So let's just get into it. Week 10. Last week, there were, I gotta be honest, with besides the one exception, there was not really many uh, surprises this week. Um, maybe a few results that are, you know, maybe turning a little bit of heads, but I wasn't really shocked by what I saw. So let's go into them. We'll go... Well, well, we'll do the game of the week second to last, obviously. But we'll go for the other three. We'll go least surprising to most surprising. Least surprising, Carlton at St. John's. St. John's by 29. I think I had St. John's by 20 points. Not really much to say about this. This was just a straight-up, just solid win for the Johnnies. You know. What do you expect to happen when... uh? Carleton College plays St. John's University. Kind of straightforward. Kind of up the middle. Is what it is. Uh, next result, St. Scholastica at McAllister. McAllister won this one by 19. I had the Scots by 17. Uh, again, similar to St. John's game. Th- there's not much to be unpacked about this. Uh, I think... I mean, this was a little bit of a opportunity for the Saints uh you know I mean getting their season to three the three wins would have been kind of huge but they didn't do that this was one of the only games on the schedule that is in fact winnable um another game that is winnable just so happens to be this week that's the beauty of the way that championship week works and then, probably the most surprising result, but still not really important, really. Uh, Hamlin at Concordia, taking place in Moorhead, Minnesota. Minnesota. I almost said Moorhead, Minnesota. You, you, can you imagine how embarrassing that would be? Yikes. Carlton, sorry, Concordia, 59 Hamlin, zero. What can I say? What can I... I... Okay, I had... uh, I had Concordia winning by 24 less points than they did. Um... This was... (laughs) I I think I just miscalculated... Um... How Concordia is going to take their loss to Augsburg last week. Uh, they clearly did not take it very well. They clearly did not did not take it very well. Well, depends on what you d- 
define as taking a loss. Well, they took it in the right way to win a game. And they did win a game by almost 60 points. Which, I, I didn't check, but it might that might actually be the biggest point differential of, of the Mayak season. That, that's... I, I should check that. Um, I think I think that's the biggest. I think that's the biggest. San Scalasca might have lost a game. I, I think it's the biggest. I, I could be wrong about that. If not, it's definitely up there. And that might even include non-conference, by the way. Maybe. I don't know. And then the game of the week. Gustavus at St. Olaf. Uh... Once again, I, I don't think that there's much to unpack exactly statistically. Gustavus won this one by 12. Uh, this was close, actually, for a lot of the game. I think if I were to guess, I would say, I mean, based off of what we saw um, against St. Olaf, I think St. Olaf probably played this game with uh, with a passion. <laughs> Because, man, did they do that at uh, Royal Stadium. But this, yeah, this game was really close, statistically. Gustavus, mm, I'm not going to say pull away, but, you know, they, they, they kind of made the score a little bit bigger at the end of the game. Pretty sure. The, the big difference in this game, and this is kind of the stat to unpack, Um, I think that this... Kind of tells you everything you need to know. Rushing yards. Gustavus, 164. St. Olaf, 69. That kind of won in the game. Uh, and it didn't hurt that they also won the turnover battle, which in games that are pretty close statistically can help out a lot. Um, but a solid win. A solid win for the Gustavus Gusties. Um, and ultimately kind of a disappointing season for St. Olaf. Not, not kind of, it was a disappointing season. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what the dynamic of the Northwoods division is going to be like next year. What is Gustavus going to be like? I, I, I have, I have no clue. How, how good is Carlton going to be? Is St. John's going... I mean, well, okay, St. John's is probably still going to be rolling like they unfortunately always are. St. Scholastica is going to be interesting. St. Olaf is going to be interesting. There's there's a lot of things I think that you could see next year. Um, but that is a discussion for another time. This is, this is probably the time where you would least talk about next season. And then let's get into what was Bethel at Augsburg last week. Um, how do I start off? Okay, let, let, Let's talk about the experience first. Let's talk about the stadium in question first. Um, as we usually do. It, I, okay. I don't, I don't think that there's an official metric on this, but I'm just going to declare this. Augsburg University has the smallest football facility out of anywhere. It, like, it, if, you, if you've never seen it, look, just look up on, on Google 
Augsburg University University is kind of a key word because there's also like a German soccer team that's called Augsburg. Yeah, Augsburg University football field. Just look at look at how close the walls are at the end of the field to the goalposts. It is it's touching the goalposts. Might not well might not quite be touching it, but it, it's close. Like the white dashed line that you see around football fields where you know people can't go stuff like that it's within that they don't even have a white dash line it's it's tiny and and i I, and i've seen pictures of it i i kind of knew that going in but it's really small (laughs) it's really small i mean i guess that's kind of what you get when you play in minneapolis but heck north park north park was far bigger than that um that's in chicago so I don't know. It was, it was to the point where I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that it's not considered dangerous. But you know, it's what it is. And ultimately, it was, it was a good atmosphere. It was a good atmosphere. I think from, I mean, I, I was surrounded by Bethel fans. I, I went there with my mom. Uh, she wanted to go to a game. Uh. It, it was it was a good atmosphere i think um there were i think i think about 12 1200 people there um which you know you you, you you could consider considering the weather uh you could consider that to be you know maybe maybe um maybe a little bit high for the game maybe i it was about what i expected but you know, I can I can understand why some people wouldn't show up if the weather's not, you know, perfectly seventy degrees and blah blah blah, whatever. Um, but yeah, the experience was great. It was fun. The line for the bathroom was horrendous, but we're not going to get into that. Which I did actually find out something in the bathroom, um, which leads into a whole other segment that we'll do later on in the show i have a piece of information that you can't find anywhere else i i haven't done an extensive look on that maybe it's out there but you can't find anywhere else it is access that almost no almost no fans are going to get so consider yourselves lucky um yeah back to the bethel at oxford game some of some of you who are listening to this, some of you might not know how that game went. Uh Okay. I projected this game Bethel would win by 35. Uh Let's tell the story of the game. All right, so Augsburg scores first, really long surgical, if you want to use that word, drive marching down the field, Augsburg scores a touchdown. We go down the field. Uh, we have a... Was that where the trick play was? I think so. I think that's where the trick play was. Jaron Rossi throws it backwards to Aaron Ellingson. He throws it deep to Joey Kidder. Um, so Aaron Ellingson has a touchdown pass this season, which is fantastic. 7-7. Bethel eventually scores again. Another touchdown pass to Joey Kidder. He only had two receptions on the day. Both of them, though, for long touchdowns. And then Augsburg scores again. 
to end the first half. There's a couple drives after that, but that was to end the first half, basically. 14-14 going into the half. It felt... Hmm, it felt like these two teams were on pretty similar levels. And then I decide that I'm going to go to the bathroom at halftime. You know, I, I didn't really need to go that bad, but I, I thought it was a thought it was a good idea. You know, you don't want to get stuck having to having to go to the bathroom and, while a football game's going on. No one wants that in their life. So I go down um, into the bathroom. Good thing I left when it did, because, man, going out of that thing, that line was horrendous. And similar to, to McAllister, uh, I guess the locker rooms don't have a bathroom because there were... There were players in that line. Um, we let them go ahead of us. So, that's something. But, uh, I heard from, I don't know what position this guy has, but I heard that Jaron Rosti had an injury to one of the shoulders. Which is weird. Jaron Rossi's last play of the first half was a punt. There was no, you know, there was no scene with the uh, the trainers running out on the field and, you know, he's lying down on the turf and it's a whole thing. That, that didn't happen. I I have no clue where this injury may have occurred. Um, But in the second half, when, you know, a, a ball was kicked and everything happened. The Royals, yeah, 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 yeah. Because Augsburg scored. Yeah, the Royals had the ball first, and you see number seven run on the field. I, I'm pretty sure it's a shoulder injury, from what I heard from that guy, and that was the word going around the bleachers. I, I have no clue where this could have happened. I have no clue. Nonetheless, though. George Bolt is playing the rest of the game. Uh, Bethel ends up scoring two more touchdowns uh, off of only three more drives. Augsburg, it is unbelievable. I mean, they took it felt like at least seven minutes off of every drive. It, it wasn't exactly that, but they were taking a long time on their drives. I mean, long in clock and length. <laughs> But, yeah. Uh, Bethel basically just decides to run the ball with uh, Ghibli and Kunkel. I can't really personally blame them. Uh, George Bolton, you know, he throws three passes still. Completes two of them. Not not bad. Not bad. I got to say, good job. Good job by George Bolt. I, really. In, in all seriousness, that he did he did his job. He did what he needed to do on Saturday. Really, really, all congratulations. Augsburg has also also scored two touchdowns, and they scored a touchdown with 31 seconds left in the game to what looked like tie the game to put it in overtime. They trot out Cade Sheehan, quarterback for Augsburg, who had a terrific game by the way. And the rest of the offense. Uh who I thought I thought for certain. I thought for certain when that happened. We we lost the game. We lost the game, didn't we? Interception. 
Run it back. 98 yards. A pick two, baby. Bethel, 30. Augsburg, 27. End of game. Fantastic. Um, I think that my mom would want to take some credit for that interception. Because um, she did say before that play, all right, here's where we need an interception. Um, which you might think sound, sounds amazing. Uh, until you find out that she did that for basically every defensive play that Bethel had during that game. But, hey, she wanted it and they gave it to her. So, thanks. But, yeah, that was... That was exciting. <laughs> that was exciting. That's one word you could use. I frankly just wanted to go there, you know, blow them out, go home, watch watch the rest of the games on TV, but that didn't really happen. But we got the win. That's all that matters on a particular uh, a Saturday. So we're playing in the Mike Championship game next week at St. John's in Collegeville, Minnesota. The rematch of last year's Mike Championship game. The rematch on the battle in September. The rematch of what has been a, a great rivalry, I think. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because it's like, I think that all of the energy that was... You know, both Bethel and St. John's had all, all of the hatred of St. Thomas has been kind of filtered into both Bethel and St. John's. So I can't wait. I cannot wait for that game. Um, like I said, I got some information about that game that a lot of you don't know. I know, I know that someone listening to this podcast will know. I'm, I'm not going to say why. I'm not. I almost, I almost said it. I almost said it. I'm not going to say why. Not going to say why. Uh, yeah. So overall, average 14.4 points off for my projections. Eh, not great. But at this point, like if we can, if we can get unpre- unpredictable games. I'm kind of happy with that. I like chaos. I like excitement. Just give the Royals a victory. That's all I ask. All right. We're going to take a really quick, really quick break. Uh, Then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the playoffs. We're going to talk a little bit about regional rankings. We're going to talk about... I think that's about it. Then we're going to get into championship week. I can't believe I'm saying that. It goes it goes by too quickly this season. All right. I will see you then. All right. We're back. Let's talk some uh let's talk some playoffs here. Can't believe I'm saying that. But here we go. Let's talk some playoffs. So, I I will admit, I am not the full, complete expert on how exactly selection for the playoffs works. Um, I know that there is some kind of shenanigans with it in terms of 
what the NCAA says happens and what actually happens. Like there was something weird where like the NCAA gave this whole process to Division Three football, um, where there was like seedings and stuff, and you know four eight teams seeded brackets, and then the NCAA declared that there are no seedings and there never have been, but they gave this information to D three football. So what the heck is the truth in the first place? Kind of weird. Um. So, yeah, it, seedings either exist or don't exist. I I don't know. I don't know. But I do know what some people have been saying about uh, whatever the Mayak runner-ups shot is, because this really does apply to both Bethel and Saint John's. Because I mean, whoever whoever is the runner-up will have a really high strength of schedule. They'll have a win over either Bethel or St. Well, St. John's won't if they lose. But St. John's will, they'll have the Whitewater win, which I think is at least, at least good enough where it's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big spot on the resume. Um, And you got to think that the committee just kind of likes St. John's a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but I've seen that there's a very good chance. There's a very, very, very good chance, especially given what the rest of the year has been. There's been a lot of top teams being upset. There's been a lot of you know, teams that... Uh, there's been a lot of chaos. Let's just say that. There's been a lot of chaos. Look at the WIAC standings, for Pete's sake. I mean, the WIAC is like... I mean, if you know what the Big 12 has been like this year, the WIAC is, is like that, except for... They are arguably the best conference in Division Three football. Arguably, we're not gonna debate that on this show. We're we're not even gonna give it time. It's kind of a waste of time, in my opinion. I don't know. So, I mean, that's all I got for the playoffs. The other thing, which mm, this is this is just a shame. Our neighbors to south i think it's the south yeah our, our our neighbors to the south still in arden hills i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it's within the arden hills limits uh northwestern they have officially qualified for the playoffs and they have only six wins right now which is a little bit lud- ludicrous the fact that a team can get in the playoffs with six wins i i could do this whole thing about what my ideal playoff would look like which i'm not I'm not going to get into, but Northwestern has qualified. And I think if Bethel had beaten Platteville and they beat St. John's next week, they go 10 or no. If that had happened, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I would be pretty confident that Bethel would be put in the same bracket as Northwestern, and they would probably play Northwestern in the first round. It is a shame. It is a shame that that's not going to happen. Probably. I don't know. If that did happen, I I would be jumping for joy. I would be very happy that that would exist. At least we play them in basketball this Saturday, right after the Mike Championship game. Which reminds me, I got I to gotta look at how uh, a basketball team did 
last night. I I haven't even checked that. That that is Wow. I don't know I don't know why I didn't look at that. That's my fault. Uh I apologize for the fact that I just bumped the mic. I don't know if you heard that or not. Uh yeah, regional rankings just came out. One through seven listing, region six. This one I will make an argument for is by far the best region in the country. It just is. Wyak and Mayak, that alone wins it, in my opinion. But guess where Bethel is? Number two, baby. Number two. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's a good sign. That's a good sign, especially for um, getting at-large bids. That means that the committee looks pretty favorably on the Royals. St. John's is also number three, so they would, I think, look pretty favorably on the Mayak as a whole. Um. So yeah, that's that's pretty good news. That's pretty good news. All right. Let's talk about championship week for the Mayak. The final full Mayak projection. How sad. McAllister at St. Olaf. Let's just go into these. St. Olaf won this game by six points when they played earlier. Um, I think that home field advantage flipping is a big thing, especially given... In fact, these schools, you know, they have a little bit of distance between them. I think, I think that that's always, that's always something. Um, and I think ultimately Saint Olaf will play with more of a passion than McAllister will. I think that they probably just care a little bit more. Uh, so I got Saint Olaf by fourteen points. Hamlin at Saint Glasgow, game number two. Uh, the only thing that you can be sure of is the fact that this is going to be really unpredictable, I think, probably. Uh, yeah, St. Scholastica has been really hard to predict. This is the last St. Scholastica game I will be predicting. Um, long-time listeners will know that. I got Hamlin by 7 right now. St. Scholastica ended up winning this game when they played earlier this year. 43 to 42. Uh, man, I don't know. Like, I think big factors for this game, big to look out for. Number one, it's in Duluth. A little bit of a drive from St. Paul. Number two, it's in Duluth. So you have the weather of Duluth. Uh, let me actually look at the forecast. Let's see what that looks like. Duluth weather Saturday well yeah it's looking like it's a night it's a night like the mid 20s to 30s so it's not that different from the rest of the state but you know it's worth a look uh yeah uh another Maybe cruel thing to bring up. How many people do you think are, are going to go to this game? I know that's a really depressing thing to say, but... Uh, there's not going to be many people at this game. There's just not. There's just not. Uh, well, I'm going to take it back. There might be, like, you know, a bunch of parents and stuff, relatives that, you know, watching 
you know, so-and-so's last college game. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I predict just weird things happening in this game. To see who doesn't have to get last place in this conference. One of the great things about having a conference championship week with, you know, all the seeds playing each other is you get to... Well, you get a balanced schedule for the last week, which was great. And you get to see who's the worst. Which is always fun. Concordia at Carlton. This is another good rematch of what was a good game. All of the rematches, all of the games that happened earlier this year, were within a score. A score. The The game that was a blowout the most was St. Olaf winning, winning by six points to to McAllister. That, that's that's crazy. That's wild. You have four games within a score? That's, again, that's the beauty of Conference Championship Week. Concordia, Carl, I got, I got Carlton by 10 on this one. I think especially because at the beginning of the year, if you told Concordia, hey, you're going to be number three in, in the division. They would not take that pretty well. If you told Carlton, hey, you're going to be number three in the division, they would take it pretty well. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, I think, I think that this was not a place that uh, Carlton was supposed to be. And I think because of that, I think that they're going to be playing to, to win the game, to, to prove that they belong. Also, it doesn't hurt that they, they lost this game earlier. Um, so, you know, I, I think because of that, they're going to be looking for a win. So I got Carlton this game by 10, which is maybe a lot of points to pick this one by, but I got Carlton by 10. We got the game of the week, Augsburg at Gustavus. Uh, or if you're my dad, uh, Gustavus at Augsburg. Absolutely none of you are going to get that joke. And I don't care. Uh, man, it's... Both teams coming off of... Well, Augsburg coming off of what I think was probably a devastating loss. You, you're a good, good two-point conversion away from going to the Mayak title game. Now you're going to St. Peter, Minnesota in mid-November uh, in a game that I'm not going to say is meaningless. I'm not going to say that. You know I'm not going to say that. But some people might think of it as meaningless, unfortunately. They're wrong. They're wrong. And I I would say probably don't know anything about college football, but, you know, that's what they would think about it. Uh... So yeah, I ultimately think it's a little bit of a game of who cares more. Who cares more about this game? Uh, there's some big-time playmakers. I gave you a name last week that I thought was going to be a huge factor uh, in the game against Bethel. Really wasn't. You actually didn't really hear his name very much. DJ Monroe? You didn't really hear it. Um, 
I think that I I'm gonna I'm gonna say again he's gonna be a huge factor in this game. If he has a great game, I think Augsburg has a shot. Um, that being said, they're going to need they're going to need a really good day defending the pass, uh, which you know they've been okay at this year. Um, and I think they're going to invest too much into that. And I ultimately think Gustavus is going to run for a lot of yards in this game. I think I I, I actually think that's going to be how they're going to win it. Similar to against Saint Olaf, I think Augsburg is going to try too much to shut down the pass, and Gustavus just 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 runs. Similar to what Bethel did in the second half, and a little bit in the first half too. I mean, Rossi didn't even throw that many passes. So I think that's the road to victory. I think Gustavus wins this one by 17. Um, yeah, who cares more? Is that's that's actually what I have written down. And then we have the game, the big one, Bethel at St. John's, the game for the Mayak Championship. Mm, mm. Fantastic, fantastic. Before we get in any game projections, let's just let's just take a moment to just soak in for the last time the fact that we won the last game versus St. John's. Feels good. Feels really good. Now let's move on and focus on winning a conference title here. There's one thing. There's there's many things, but there's one thing I think is huge in this game. On both sides of the ball, pass rush. I actually think that this is how Bethel maybe wins the game, especially defensively. This this needs to be good defensively. On St. John's side of the ball, Bethel's pass rush has been really good, really good this year. Um number one in the conference, I think, pretty sure. If not, it's way up there. St. John's, if you include every game, so not just conference games, last place in the whole conference for giving up sacks. It was shocking when I saw that. It's there. Look it up. MyAcAthletics.com. It's there. This is something that needs to be exploited. I think that, you know, Steve Johnson and the crew are ready to exploit that. I, I think I think you're gonna see a lot of sacks and I think you're gonna need it. I think you're gonna need a lot of pressure um on Aaron Severson because I don't know if the rest of their pass defense is frankly uh ready to defend against these receivers you know i think i think uh i think when they played earlier they benefited from some overthrows which you know maybe you can chalk up to being credited to the d-line and the pass rush but we got to do that again we got to make sure that uh severson does not have time to find open receivers because he eventually will if he's given time 
Um, and we got to make sure that, you know, I mean, maybe some sacks would be nice. That's always nice. And on the flip side, and this is really just kind of O-line versus D-line in general, the Bethel pass rush defense, I don't know what the technical term for that is, the art of not giving up sacks, we'll call it, has been really, really good, especially when Jaron Rossi is on the field, which, by the way, leads into my next thing. Uh, there's a big question this week. It's probably one of the biggest questions being asked by fans. Is Jaron Rossi going to play this week? So everyone's wondering that. And I probably, when I was first thinking of this podcast, I was I, that's what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about if Jaron Rossi is going to play or not. And the two, and I was basically going to do two game projections. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not doing that. Why? Because I have some information. I'm not going to talk about where. I'm not going to talk about from who. But I have information that says it is like 90-some percent sure that Jaron Rossi is, in fact, going to play in this ballgame. I can tell you that nothing is broken in either of his shoulders. I can tell you that he's practicing. That should tell you enough. And I'm... I'm 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 super excited he's going to be in this game. Uh I would have lost a lot of sleep this week if he if he wasn't going to play. It would not it would not have been pretty. It would not have been pretty. So let's talk about the D-line versus online battle. Jaron yeah, Jaron Rossi's been really difficult to sack. Really difficult. Part of that is the O-line, part of that is Jaron Rossi's unbelievably difficult to tackle. I think St. John's has been really good at getting sacks. They didn't get any when they played Bethel earlier. And I think that the O-line and I think Jaron Ross are going to be up to the task. I do. And that's not based off of any numbers or data or anything. It's just based off of intuition that I think Bethel is taking this game really seriously. Um... Like, I'll, I'll give you this. I walk by practice every day. Not not to walk by practice, but because I just kind of just so happen to walk by the football field every day to get home from school. Um, I, I take a look. I take a look at what practice is looking at. Usually there's some kickers there, kicking balls, and usually punters. But, you know, maybe you'll see like 10 guys there when I walk by. It's like, you know, maybe about 340-something by the time that I get over there. It's not the case this week when I've walked by. It is almost the whole team there. I think I I think that's a symptom for, and and you can you can just feel just a different energy or just around the place. And to, to even to the point that you didn't feel when they played St. John's earlier. Um I don't know, man. It 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 just it just feels it just feels right. It just feels right. And hmm. I think the other big question is 
how is how is Bethel going to run their offense? There's a lot of I think right ways to do this, especially because Bethel's offense has been pretty good on all fronts. I think you're going to see a really balanced attack. I think you're going to see a lot of yards gained on the run, a lot of yards gained on the pass. Um, I'm very interested to see how St. John's goes about covering Bethel's receivers. I think that the way that they covered Joey Kidder was horrendous. They had almost one guy on him for most of the game when they played earlier. I would be shocked, shocked if he's not double teamed most plays. And heck, if he is double teamed, do you know you have? You got Michael Neewald. <laughs> and he can, I mean, he he's he's usually next to he's not he's usually next to Joey Kidder in the formation. In, unless you got you know four guys just covering those two guys, in which case you got guys like Aaron Ellingson, who can break for big plays like he did earlier, scored the game-winning touchdown versus St. John's. It is going to be really hard. It, it, it's going to be really hard for St. John's to defend against these guys. Um, and when they're really clicking, when they're really click clicking, it's something special. I think that. They were able to do it against against Concordia for a little bit. And I think that you'll see it. I really do. I think that you'll see it. I think I think you'll see a lot of yards gained on the pass. And I think Kunkel and Ghibli are going to pick up a lot of yards. I think it also doesn't hurt that... You know, I would like to see how cautious they are around Jaron Rossi for this game. Because while... I'm pretty sure he's going to be playing. I don't know if he's going to be at all limited. Because he was a little bit limited. Um, when he when he played uh, earlier, they didn't really run with him as much. You know, he was sliding a little bit more. Um, so maybe that's a thing. And that would be really nice if we could get some, you know, big Jaron Rousty runs. But yeah, I have the Battle Royals. By four points in this game, I have Bethel coming home to Arden Hills with, um, you know, some uh, new work to be done on the banners. You know, a new trophy to put somewhere. I don't, I actually, I don't really know where those go, but a new trophy to be put somewhere, and a playoff game to be played. I think that they'll be playing that regardless, win or lose, but probably a home game. If they win, if they lose, you're you're probably going to I don't know, but you're going you're going somewhere if you, if you lose, which is not as fun. So I'd I'd li- I'd like to see a home playoff game. So big game, big game this week. I hope that everybody listening to this podcast goes there. It's going to be a great atmosphere. It's going to be a great game. I can't wait. So I'll see. Well, not see. I will be speaking to you guys uh, next Thursday, probably. I apologize, by the way, this was that this had to be posted on Friday. Whole big thing. Basically, didn't record when I did it on Wednesday. So, I'm doing this on Thursday night. But, I will see you then. We're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about that week. Um, it's either going to be a really fun show or a show that I really frankly don't want to do so i will see you then go bethel royals win a mayak championship